Hello and welcome to the American Horror Story podcast by Bald Move. We're the officially unofficial podcast for FX's American Horror Story Freak Show Season 4. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me as she does each and every week is... Cecily. And we're here to talk about the second episode, Massacres and Manatees. <laughs> I was going to make that same joke. I mean, I, I get that the state Damn is set it. in Florida, but did they have to hit it so hard? I mean, are we going to have a Mayhem and Mangroves episode? <laughs> Murder and Mandarin Oranges. They need to lay off on the Florida references. <laughs> it's actually Massacres and Matinees, just because I don't want the one person to email me that wasn't in on the joke. Uh, <laughs> what a way to start this episode <laughs> i'm just coming out swinging at the listeners you are you are i i'm running this i'm running this joint like dell anyway these manatees were directed by alfonso gomez rejon a lot of talk about him last week um he is known for doing mostly commercials and a few episodes of glee oh yeah this episode was written by tim Manier, who uh has directed and written a lot of things. Uh, he wrote episodes for X Files, Zorro, and Legend, or in Lois and Clark. Huh. And he also executive produced and directed episodes of Strange World, Angel, Firefly, Wonder Wonder Falls, and The Inside. I Holy thought you shit! Didn't. Firefly. Yeah, Lois I thought and Clark. Enjoy that. I love Lois and Clark. Growing up, you also mm. love Firefly. Ninety percent because of Terry Hatcher, but still. You were a pig. I was a pig growing up. No, you're still a pig. <laughs> yeah, now I'm a hog. I've graduated. To whole hog? To whole hog. Do you want to get on the podcast, or do you have any pre-show banter you'd like to engage in? I think these episodes are too long. I had that in the middle of my notes, that I feel like they need to cool it with the hour 20. Like, this show had a little bit of fat. There's so much going on in these episodes that mm -hmm. you don't need the extra 20 minutes. It's yeah. like I have enough to ruminate over after the first hour. In fact, you could probably do a crisp 45 and I, have a longer season. And I, I think also I think that I think they just should have could have cut it a little bit tighter. I feel like that FX letting them go over the hour yeah, there's... is just letting them do some lazy lazy edits. But Maybe they're know. planning on killing a lot of people this season, and yeah. they're kind of just giving them all their screen time because everyone is getting screen time. Yeah. Not that yeah. it's a bad thing. These are very interesting characters. I just... I That's the stuff thing. I got to do. It just, it, yeah, it just does feel a bit too long. Yeah. A bit too long. But we'll see how... Uh, if they keep on blowing over the hour. Yeah. Uh, Fargo did that a lot, too, but I always felt uh, like it was justified. Yeah, Fargo, Fargo was very tight, and it was very well-paced. Yeah. And I felt like it ended where it needed to end. Sure. Anyway, uh, we start the show. It was also like eight episodes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was trim. Yeah, it was Maybe very 10. trim. Um, this uh, we start on a overhead shot of the circus as we frequently do, and I got to keep shouting out how amazing I keep finding the circuit set, the circus set rather. Uh, you got the rusted out circus truck, all the different tents. There's so much attention to detail. Yeah, and the... And it's so colorful. Yeah, and the aged... Like, I know it's set in the 50s, and I feel like these trailers were probably new. But, you know, like, Jimmy, Darling, and the Lobster Boy have yeah. their painted up trailers, sure. and the Strongman have But they're one. aged because they are, yeah. you can tell that one time they like were like... But they've just fallen into disrepair, and the rust is starting to run down the like, paint. Like, I think this... I think the freaks are the hipsters of the 50s, right? They already had old shit. Before the, it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool. Mm. Before uh, it was 
before it was cool. Got to get her hipster digs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Meep is, for some reason, polishing eggs. I, I didn't quite catch why that was going on. I don't know. Maybe after chickens lay eggs, they have, like, that they have bits of chicken insides on them. You know, like placenta or however it is that chickens make eggs. That is disturbing. That is also attention to detail. <laughs> uh, but the gang's all there, including Meep and Amazon Eve and Paul DeSeal and Jimmy, and they're listening to the radio about the town gripped in fierce, eh? Citizens confined to their homes, children quaking behind mother's apron strings, <laughs> and so on and so forth. When the police roll up, no, and... No, no. Uh, they're switched to the radio, and they're listening, and they're... And he says, oh, no. Yeah, they're yeah. listening to the radio, and then they do a cut to the diner, where the waitress serves coffee see, to the guy from the toy store across. Speaking of fat to trim, and I wasn't then they even, go back. Yeah. I wasn't even going to it because it's like, come on, we don't need to establish the coffee shop guy. Yeah, they could have just done that. Guy in comes the next in. Scene. Guy comes in to give coffee. It just happens. But uh, I don't think we need to to, to see how point A crossed the point B there. And see, and and that's why it's so bad. We sit here and we talk about how we don't need to be talking about it. And now we've spent five times longer you than just the edit scene this deserves, out. probably. <laughs> <laughs> the police roll up, and before we move on, I want to make a comment on Meep's mouth and how creepy and horrifying it is. Yeah, it's really bad. It's, uh, and I feel bad because later in the episode I felt really bad for him. He's super sympathetic. But I don't know what they did to make it. It's like... It's like he... All he does is bite the heads off of living things and then never brushes his teeth ever. I feel like the, what I was looking at is if he – all the enamel and all the dentin were worn away and he just had the fleshy root. Ew. Yeah. painful. And I, yeah, it really felt like there, he's in constant dental pain in addition to biting heads off and, and saying meep. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the freaks direct the police officers to Elsa's tent. Where they inform her that there's a curve. They first they want to search the place, and she said uh, she ain't passed the bar, but she knows a little bit enough that they will not illegally search her shit. You know, Elsa, not knowing about the cops' murder, uh, was she kept in the dark because she has plausible deniability, I think, or did they just not feel like she needed to know that? I, I think, feel like she kind of knows, but hmm. she doesn't. Like she knows that they're up to something, but she doesn't care because. It does seem pretty... I don't know, because... Mind your own business? Maybe we'll talk about that later when Jimmy tells her. Because her reaction wasn't like, oh my god, I can't believe. It was almost like she was waiting for him to confess it. I don't know how she would have known. No, I don't think she could have. But it was an interesting way that she played that. Uh, she says, if you're going to start a curfew, which they threaten her with, it'll ruin her business. And they're like, aw. About then, Dot and Bet walk in. And they're like, oh, you're the guys that flew the coop from the hospital. And she said, I didn't need a hospital. I was okay. And I wasn't under arrest, was I? And I was <laughs> thinking to myself, was she? Yeah, they, they had police guards there, right? But she wasn't handcuffed. So they could have been spinning it for her protection. But, but there was an unsolved murder case. So I feel like generally if you are a suspect, you're not under arrest, yeah. but you're not allowed to leave, right? Yeah. But she's in the same town, just in a different house. Yeah, but so, she did, as far as they knew, she was just gone. Yeah, until... she didn't make them aware of where she was. Right. But she wasn't exactly hiding because she had the posters up. So I don't know yeah. what the 1950s freak show legalities <laughs> rules are, but I'm kind of uh, confused about it. They tell the police officers that she already made her statement to the detective who was drunk. He did smell of whiskey. I smell of whiskey. That don't mean nothing. Uh, and then Elsa throw, plays the freak card. 
says we're always the easy targets in the community. Come on. <laughs> and uh, then we go to the Hanley's Toy Shop, mm-hmm. where we have not a doubt in our mind where this guy came from, the coffee, and why he's there, and why the streets are so <laughs> empty, the toy store is abandoned this time of day. Because we had all that backstory, and it was really helpful. Did you notice in the original pan, you know, they do the pan between the shelves? Oh, my you God. You can see the head there before it starts. You'd have to be looking for it. But... I did not notice that, but when you elbowed me on our second watch and we backed it up, it was really chilling. Yeah. It's kind of like when he walks into the room and you realize that the clown is behind him. And it's just like, you know, that, that one you realize right away, but it's kind of like, oh, clutching your pearls. Yeah. Seeing a hideous severed head and a wall that I didn't even notice. It was mm-hmm. there all the time. It's like, oh, my God. I felt what? a little bit about like what it was like to be the coffee shop boy in uh, an environment with something horrifying, and I had no idea. Yeah. I hate, to, I hate to do this, but it's kind of a continuity error. That As soon as he walks in, he goes to the right side of the shelves. He sets his coffee down on the counter, which you can see is right inside mm-hmm. the door, and then he walks back further a little bit to the right before retracing his steps. Right. I just feel like you would have seen two little robot blood trails or that puddle of blood right near you. See, I kind of feel like here's the timeline was, and I can't explain the robot, but I feel like that the clown killed him right as he walked in the door, stashed the head, and then stood between the other clowns, and the head hadn't dripped the blood yet. So he just didn't notice it, but then if I don't understand how the robot. If it was going to make that big of a puddle in that short of a time, the head would be bleeding more. I feel yeah, like the think, head should be bleeding. You're more. right, or there should be a body. Yeah, he didn't like vaporize it. You're right; it is a little bit of continuity error. But it's cool. It looks cool, and that was a it was a nice shot. And it scared so me. So I'm gonna forgive a lot of things to American Horror Story this season, as I do every season. <laughs> <laughs> but the coffee boy falls the blood trail to the head. He gets scissored, skizzered right in the throat, and. He's also a rather Pleasantville-looking young lad, wasn't he? Yeah. Very Tobey Maguire, black and white. Is this clown having miniature orgasms when I, he kills people? I don't know that they're miniature. I believe I've seen Twisty's O-Face. It seems like someone who's trying to quit smoking, and then after a week, they have a cigarette. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, I needed that. You know what's interesting is now that I've seen his mouth on the second watch, because I, I, you know this guy emotes like crazy with his eyes. But I could see his his mouth too, and I was just thinking his tongue doing like lazy circles, yeah. like licking the ruins of his mouth, and I'm like, ah. If you watch the show with subtitles, for most of his scenes, you can hear raspy breathing, yeah, and gurgling, <laughs> disturbing gurgling, and shit like that, and urinating forcefully. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that that happened, and uh, then Jimmy is rallying the troops and saying, you know what's our problem. We're just regular people, and regular people need to see that. We got to go out there and let them know us. Uh, and they're doing this as they, I, I, Kill again, the they're copper. doing this Kill as the copper. Yeah, I. They're we're, they're doing this as um, you know they're disposing of the body or they're digging the body up because he's afraid that the cops are going to be swarming all over and they'll find this obvious shallow grave. So they're going to burn his body. Yeah. And Amazon Eve finds his badge at the bottom of the grave and says, "Don't think this will burn." But it'll melt. It'll melt? Anyone know Superman? Mm, we'll have, call this Chekhov's badge. <laughs> uh, I think Amazon Eve could use heat vision on that thing. She has yeah. many superpowers, you can tell. I believe so. I'm not going to call it Chekhov's badge because it comes to a conclusion this ep- this very episode. We go to the Dandy and Mom's house. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> and I have to say that the Dandy has 
a crystalline bottle You're with a silver insane. cap. It has that, his name engraved. That's it classy. says the dandy. Yeah. And I, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and he's pinging his fork, and he's. I, I get that he's having like a battle of the wills with his mother. This is a really weird scene because she's a complete doormat. It wasn't a battle of the wills. It seemed like they were waiting for something. Here's what I took away from it. She was. Wait- I thought that before the food is served, that mm. there's certain like southern pleasantries of refined people that have to be observed. Like you have to wait for X amount of time before dinner so that you can talk. Oh, really? You that's, got an elaborate I, head cannon. Continue. That's what I took away from it. Because hmm. if the food, if they were just waiting on the food to be finished, then she wouldn't have to ring to have it brought to her. Yeah, I know. But I was just thinking that I, I wish I was there to see them sit down because I feel like that every once in a while she fucks with him. And by making him wait until she had her sip of, I think it was water, maybe it was white wine. It I think she water. had both. Yeah. Uh, and, and until she got the thing and rang the bell. I don't know. know. It was really bizarre. I really don't think that's their chemistry. There's a weird... They have a weird chemistry, man. Well, yeah. I mean, every dude... They wouldn't be on the show if they didn't. (laughs) True. But every guy that's in that kind of like weird mama's boy, like if you're in your 20s and you're living at home, that's... I mean, I understand. Sometimes things happen and... But if you're doing it and you're like, Mom, where's my fucking pants? Or, Mom, you know... Yeah. Uh, stop embarrassing in front of my friends. That's not that's that, that's the that kind of relationship that they have with with each other. Yeah, but, but this is the fifties, and they and they're very refined. And those kinds of people are. Little... There's some psychosexual stuff going on there. Is all I'm saying. All right, Freud. Let's I know. Move I it just along. like you know, like uh, I, I'm I got my guard up after the Borax enemas of last season. I ain't gonna let this show rope me again to another weird ass mother son relationship. Okay, going into this with my eyes wide open. Like the Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman thriller film. I'm going to be in a hood, masturbating furiously in the corner. Things got weird. Let's move on. That's not how that movie went. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, there's a lot of things we find out about uh, these folks. Um, First of all, their their house servant is Patti LaBelle, and she's fabulous. Fabulous. This boy's working my last nerve. Uh, She talks about this uh, Cushion girl? Cushing. Cushion girl. Uh, who said there was some dreadful business, and he goes, I did not touch her. She's just mad because I called her pregnant hippo. <gasps> what? Are they implying that he did something to hurt her? He called her a sea cow. No, I think it was Again, a little bit... Again, with the manatee the references. The manatees, yeah. I, I feel like that there's something there, too. I think he disturbing. killed her. Real, oh, you think he actually killed her? Yeah, he's killing cats out back. He's, yeah, but usually... I think it was sort of like a, a rage murder on accident. He just let his... Tantrum get the best of him. Terrible things happen when he gets in moods, as his mother says. Yeah, you I might. I think he kills people. You might be right. I just think it's weird that usually. And it's explained away. It's an escalation. Like you pull wings off flies, and then you kill kittens, then you set a dog on fire, then you murder a person. You don't usually like murder it... a person, then mutilate no, some cats, and then the go back to murdering people. I think it was an accident. Oh. I think he lost his temper. And he accidentally killed this girl. So it's a and crime now, of passion, not like a... Exactly. You not, can explain uh, it away by saying, oh, it's okay. You lost your temper. You couldn't help yourself. You kill cats because you kind of liked it. And now it's a compulsion. And now you see the clown has people and he's probably going to kill them. So that's how you escalate it to actual murder. Right on. The first one was still murder. Uh, it turns out that... But dandy... again, I'm just making things up because we don't actually know what happened. <laughs> turns out that the dandy wants to be a thespian. And, and I thought only girls could do that. Yeah, and shocking in 1950s America uh, that you'd have someone being openly thespian. 
what he needs to do is have sex with Desiree. <laughs> well, I think that would that would hmm that would be interesting. Um, because if she cure if she cures gay men of their gayness, well, she's got both parts. So she I can think that she do... would like flip a, a a lesbian super gay. What? I don't know. I don't no, know. No, she's I'm got both about. parts. Oh, okay. So you're just like she's ACDC. <laughs> okay. She can alternate or direct that current. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. I think I I think I know what you're talking <laughs> okay. about. Uh you already talked about the fact that um Darla found cat parts. She found cat parts. Which the way she said cat parts made me think like he cut off a cat's balls or something, in addition to all the other things. I found them parts. Um but the way that this Miss Dandy denies everything. It's just Miss such Dandy. A, it's such a ball of disgusting narcissistic delusion. Like what is it? And I've seen parents like this, not this scale maybe. Yeah. But they just can't ever even though their son or daughter is a shit, they cannot imagine them doing any wrong. And I'm they like I have I'll... to agree with them and because they don't want to make them angry. Right. It's like there was one at a party once where she was going on and on and insisting that, you know, her child's doing nothing. I'm like, well, it's not an opinion. You can look over there. Yeah. This shit is going down. You can use your own two eyes. Eh, what are you going to do? Yeah, but they're seeing out of different eyes. That's the problem. I, I just. They have this rose colored glasses on. Uh, but it's, I feel like it's also rooted in this narcissism, too, because it's, you know, if there's something wrong with their child, they produce that child, they raise that child, therefore something must be wrong with them. And also, clearly that can't be the case. Back at the freak show, Ethel goes to collect Dot and Bet because they got to sing for their supper, they got to earn their uh, keep. And as she's explaining this, uh, we see a strongman vehicle pull onto the plot, and she exclaims, Christ on a wheel. And we see Angela Bassett get out of that mobile, and she's wearing fabulous Africa shoes. <laughs> And then we see the commish also walk out and identify himself as Del Toledo and his wife, Desiree. And we find out that he's a strong man. And she made a living fucking gay men straight. Well, but and he didn't know that somehow. Yeah. But we see in a flashback that he killed a man, broke his head clean off because he was getting it on with this, with this gay man and curing him of his gayness. And he, she had a, like a line of guys, and again, I'm wondering how did no, this I don't guy think not know this? It was a line this? of guys. I think it was just three gay guys that came together to get help for their buddy or something stupid. Yeah, but he was explaining like he'd heard about her. Like this is something that she did on a regular basis. Well, not I that think she's she got did repeat it. Traffic. Exactly. I think she did it enough that it just got to be too open, and then that was the first time he found out, and then they left three weeks ago. So when she's when this man is on top of her having sex, and she goes, "Do you?" He goes. Uh, do you want me to help get you there with my extra bits? The P is as, under as, the V. The P is under the V? Yes. Oh, see, I was thinking it was like P, V, then A. But no. you're saying it's V, P, A. Yes. Okay, so that's a docking configuration that would work. Yes. I was thinking she was suggesting them doing like a reverse wheelbarrow. Or okay. I was trying to think of what kind of position you'd get in. You'd have to get in to make that connection happen. Okay. To get slot A into tab B, tab B into slot A. Okay. You're not going to play along with this? Nope. <laughs> All right. So he breaks the guy's neck, and we find out that Desiree's talent is that she's got three boobs. She's a full-blown three-titty hermaphrodite. <laughs> That's right, indeed. She's got three boobs and all her lady bits and a ding-a-ling. And at, when she finds that out, Elsa says, you know, I can't afford you because you've got such talent. And then Del says, well, actually, you're our last stop. And we got nowhere else to turn. And he seems like he's desperate. 
begging to stay begging and seems like a humble guy who just want to earn his keep and he'll do anything it takes to get her good graces <laughs> and you could tell that desiree seemed loath to work for almost free but she still did want to work yeah so she's uh she's still a viable young woman and he says uh so so elsa mar says show me your hands and she says i can tell you're a strong man and we might need a strong man around and she asks him if he can bark uh, which is a, a carnival term, you know, being a car- carnival barker, uh, being the guy, you know, introducing the acts and drumming up enthusiasm and stuff like that in the crowd. Uh, why did she want to see his hands? I don't know. I don't know either. I think that the I, scene kind of not. Didn't... I think she's got an extra um, secret talent. You think she's got some kind of form of ESP? Well, here's the thing, and I for- totally forgot to mention this last podcast. But... Me too. I think I know where you're going with this. But when she first met Bet and Dot in the hospital room and they were doing their telekinesis thing, talking back and forth, uh-huh. when it showed a cut to Elsa, it's almost as if she physically responded to things they were saying. You know, like Bet would say something shitty or Dot would say something shitty to Bet and then Elsa would turn and she would, you know, chime in. Mm. So mm. I think she's got something going on or maybe she's just extra perceptive. Yeah, I don't know because I, I feel like... You said something else, like when she was in the middle of a song and she saw her like flash forward to her fate or flash backwards, and there, there's something kind of I don't know. I get the sense that she can see into the future. She's got a little bit of clairvoyance, or she's got something. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. She's got something besides missing legs, <laughs> which I don't think anyone knows about. I think, yeah, I think you're right. That's why she was so upset that Jimmy walked in on her dressing room. But we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Yeah, yeah. So. uh Dandy's mom on the way home uh, after he had his rage quit on life uh, decides to pick up Twisty the Clown for a companion for her son because, of course, she would. Um, we then go see the Dandy She'll drove. She'll pay him handsomely for it. Of course. Uh, we saw see that uh, the Dandy actually wound his way back to the freak show, and he's asking Jimmy for the lobster-handed boy for a job at the carnival. Why would Jimmy ever refuse him? I right this man is a carny not just a carny he's a freak show carny they live to take advantage of rich dandies especially since this one in particular is like a weak little kitten he is so easy to emotionally manipulate you let him believe that he's a freak and you tell him he's a freak just like you he right. will give you everything. Oh, yeah, imagine. Eventually, sh- you can wear him down so he thinks he can't leave because he's a freak. And then you have him. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm mean, i evil, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you don't even have to go that deep in a psychological ploy. It's like, oh, the show's only half empty, or the show's half empty tonight? Well, you know, Dandy, look at our tent. It's kind of shabby. And with these cars, I mean, who would go to see such a rundown thing? Oh, if only we could get a source of money where we could reinvest and pretty this thing up. I think with the business. I exactly. mean, you could the- bilk and graft and and your grift or whatever him all day long so many opportunities that they are just not taking advantage of and he will never call shenanigans and i think it's not the first time that jimmy is a little bit short-sighted this episode yeah and the thing is as weird as i believe if they took the dandy in and took advantage of him in that way it would be mutually beneficial because i feel like that this is the outlet he needs hanging around with the freaks and putting on shows and thinking he's a thespian might keep him from killing people and it looks like He's now going to go down a path where he doesn't get to keep from killing people. So it's a missed opportunity all around. I feel like Jimmy will probably come back and have that haunt him. Also, mm. as he's driving away Dandy, he uh, he says, 
that he wishes he were him so he could have hands that didn't scare girls when he came towards them. Yeah, thank so God far, for those hands, yeah, those are God hands you have that God gave you. So far, I haven't seen him scare a girl yet with the shockers that he's given out. You see right. what I did there? Yeah, thank you for coming on my shocker. side. Thank I you gave for you get, the coming shocker. on my side of the shocker street. I gave you the shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I think you're right. That's, you know, I know he's wearing a welding mitts and all that, but he doesn't seem like he has too big of a trouble with weight ladies. No. I mean, like, what if you found out that, uh, who's the hot guy? Ch- uh, Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum? Yeah. Channing Tatum? Yeah. Chanham Tate Man? Okay. Just... What if he had, like, baboon feet? There, I think 95% oh, of the women I would that... never go anywhere near him. <laughs> I think 95% of the women that are into him now would be like, eh, I'd still do it. Those are shallow it's people a, to begin a, with. So. But I, I just don't think it's a deal breaker. I just don't. I just don't feel like you know baboon feet would be a deal breaker. I don't feel like lobster claws, especially if they're these carnal pleasure giving machines, would also be a deal breaker. Monkeys He's a good, are scary. Good looking, charming lad. What's that? I said monkeys are scary. Mm. So you said claw. You're saying yes to lobster claw, no to baboon feet. I'm saying no to neither. I'm very shallow. <laughs> Have you seen my hideous bear claws? Oh my god! So I just have. I've got to go. Door slams. Feet. Okay. Um, Dandy is outside beating his head on the steering wheel, saying, "I hate you! I hate you! I hate you!" Interestingly enough, this is how I get ready for work every morning. <laughs> uh, who is he? Such a great wake-up call. Who is he, and by extension, you talking to in this scene? Himself. I kind of feel like that he's too. not good enough. He's he's actually I mean this is probably his mother it's a lot of, it's it's probably Jimmy but I think it's all aimed back at himself he's got a really interesting relationship with himself yeah I don't have the mind of a disturbed murderer mm. which I peg him to be mm-hmm. the same kind of mind that Twisty the clown has mm. where they just get overly anxious overly emotional about things but mm. I imagine that's kind of the headspace yeah sure but I don't know. And the dandy does a great job of portraying that. I thought that that uh, emotional basket case he's he's uh, put himself into. I feel like we're gonna get some more light on who his father is. Oh, oh my god, is Twisty the clown? Oh his my father? god, stop it! Stop oh my god, it. official prediction. Stop it, it down. Twisty the clown <laughs> used to be the dandy's daddy. It's like the that dandy tur- daddy. If that turns out to be right, I'm gonna be like Russ Cole on oh. True Detective, holding up the picture and be like. Fuck you, man. Like, that's just too good. That turns out to be true. And then I'm going to stab you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Let's see. Um, Oh, yeah. The dandy goes back to his mom's house. And I hate my life. And I hate you, mother. And she says, nonsense. You just need companionship and a new friend. I got you your very own clown. (laughs) And he goes, and I have to admit, I would not want any part of this house in my... I love the idea of this room, but it's, I don't know what it is about it that gives me the willies. Like, it's, it's, it's an adult's playroom. It's, it's an got adult's an indoor croquet. Play, I mean, which it's, is it's cool. The croquet feels a little. It's twee nice in like an Alice in Wonderland sense. Yeah, it it's is. It's got a croquet. 
uh, lawn in it with a bunny rabbit. It's got a toy box, but it's up on legs, so it's an adult height, and it's got a mirror. Yeah, so you so don't you have can to bend look over at yourself and, get into and it. hate yourself. It's got a puppet show. I mean, you can clearly see this guy spent a lot of time in here, and you yeah. must think what Patty Labelle thinks as she's dusting. She's just like, oh god. <laughs> has a really cool stationary bicycle, though. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It was like cool. a piece of exercise equipment. No, it kind of looks like something you would ride for fun. Like if you didn't want to go outside and ride your bike, you would ride it indoors. Huh. But it had the same mechanics of an exercise machine. That sounds like it's an exercise machine. I, <laughs> I don't. I, don't, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't think people this. in the fifties exercised. I think no. you know evolution has brought us to this point today where we're like, oh shit, we should exercise in the fifties, and now we've turned fun things into pain. But <laughs> yeah, you had Jack Lalane. He's the only one. He's like wearing his gray sweatsuit, <laughs> and he's like, come on, ladies, get to moving, and let's do, guys, get strong, and and drink juice, and everybody's like, fuck you, man, we're smoking and drinking. Yeah, they took come the cocaine. Back in 50 years. They took the cocaine out of Coca Cola, and never. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone started putting on the weight. Yeah, Jack Lalane. He's trying to trying to warn us of our doom. Uh, if he if he lived today and he saw all the motor scooters growing around Walmart, he just it'd be like the Native American with the tear rolled down. It's Kathy Bates as Ethel rolls into the strongman's trailer, and she immediately puts her cig out and her coffee. That is. The ultimate way to enter a room. That is a badass way to enter the room. And he starts talking smack. He's like, hey, still got the soup strainer. Can't believe there's any gray in it. And she goes, I'm not going to be here long, and neither will you. We see a flashback where he, the strongman, Dell, almost killed the baby Jimmy. Two things. Yes. One, is that Jimmy's dad? It's ambiguous. I thought, sure, the first time I saw it, oh, my God, he's her, his father. Yeah. But he could just be on a drunken tear trying to, you know, in a misguided attempt to spare a child a lifetime of being a freak. Huh? I don't think so. I think he's just on drunken tear. Hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so what would you call Dell's type? Does he like the chubby white bearded ladies? Or does he like the black pre-titty hermaphrodites? T- That's a pretty wide range. <laughs> it's been a really long time since they were together. Uh, fun fact, and this is a true story. Uh-huh. My grandma, uh, f- almost 50 years ago now, is dating a- was married to a virulent racist, Hills of Tennessee type of man. Oh, really? Today, all she apologies is- to the people of Tennessee that are listening. We don't think you're all racists. Well, back then you were. <laughs> <laughs> he still is today. I'm not proud of that. But now my grandma is married to a black man. Uh huh. And I just think that's so funny. Who, but who your is type in... changes as, you get, true. as true. you get older. Yeah. And your black grandfather <laughs> loves me and my podcast. <laughs> and and I don't know what to say. conspiracy theories. And he thinks that's what you podcast over. Then he's so cool. And he calls me. He, uh, he's like, he calls me brother, like brother man. <laughs> and I don't even know what the fuck to do. He also claims that Dave Chappelle is a good friend of his and lives in Springfield, <laughs> Ohio. So, so take, so I can take, should take some of that, some yeah. of that praise with a grain of salt. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he says, you got to be polite to me because I'm your new boss. And she says, bullshit. Not if I have anything to say with it, about it. And storms out. Oh, wait. I want to talk about how cute Jimmy's little baby lobster fingers were. Oh, right. They were adorable. 
Yeah. If you didn't notice, you have to go back and look at his little claws. Do you remember the Bat... Um, what wasn't Batman? Batman Returns, the one with Michelle Pfeiffer's Batman. Oh, uh, with the penguin? Do you remember the baby penguin there? Yeah. That was really creepy. But you're yeah. right, baby Jimmy was kind of adorable. Yeah, because now his hands are like weathered. But the, back then, there was just the, pa- the soft skin and mm-hmm. little baby stuff. But just super enormous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice, nice prosthetics on that. Might have been even a fake baby. Who knows? Whole baby's prosthetic. Maybe. I wouldn't put a passive show trying to bring out your babies. Pass a fake baby off. Let me salt through them. Uh, Slim Whitman. I don't know why I have. Oh, but because <laughs> <laughs> my notes said Slim Whitman. I have to say it. Uh, it's when I. It's 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 Dot trying to sing when I'm calling you by Slim Whitman. I've never heard of this song. But I looked it up. Um, and it's terrible. It's a terrible song. She's no, or just she, her. Okay. She is terrible at singing it. Yeah, she's not good. Um, she's doing a very good job at sounding like she's terrible. And they're trying to think of, oh, my God, we've got the star act, and she has no talent. What can we do? Dot really puts Bet down and says, Dot doesn't have any talent. She's a hole in the ground. And Bet and Dot's like, yeah, I am. Uh, they suggest juggling. Uh, Denise, is it Desiree? Desiree. Desiree suggests that she fire ping pong balls out of her twat, like some ping, uh, ping, girl she ping. saw in a Mexican club. That was, especially with the hips. Yeah. You could, I, I bet Desiree. Yeah, she, she can do, do that. that. She's she's got that technique. She might have been talking she's about got kind herself. of like she could probably have like a slingshot shot situation set up, you know, <laughs> where she puts the P and the V and the ping pong bong oh. and then bang. She could hurt people with that. It's that's like the that's like a catapult. Yeah. I'm not talking about the medieval thing. I'm talking about the thing the US Navy uses to launch aircraft off of an aircraft carrier. Would you call it a cuntapult? A cuntapult. <laughs> I would. I would in fact. You better uh, license that before someone takes it. Oh, I had that license years ago. That's coming. <laughs> the contemplate. That's coming soon to bald move t bald move t shirt near you. Uh, so Jimmy says, "Well, this is horseshit. Uh, how about you try singing just a me dot?" And she gets hearts in her eyes, and she busts out Ella Fitzgerald's "Dream a Little Dream of Me." And Which second we also time we've just heard, yeah yeah boardwalk daughter, daughter Maitland. It's made made uh, my man Chalky cry. One of my favorite songs. Desiree yeah. tries to compel Dell not to be a dick, but he decides he's going to be a dick anyway. Oh, right. And, and the, the other thing is when Elsa first heard Dot sing this, they did that camera trick where, like, the background receded. They're doing, like, the, you know, uh, tracking shot plus the zooming. And we can see, like, just she's turning green with envy. And about that time, Dell announces his plan to st- uh, get around a curfew by selling matinee tickets. Mm-hmm. And... Miss Mars went on this long speech about the enchantment of the evening and how you have to have darkness for people to let their guard down and want to come out and cavort with the creatures of the night. Very compelling argument. And he just shut it down and said, no, bullshit. And you're right, Desiree said, hey, you got to listen to the lady. And he said, no, lady's my boss. And he storms out to hang flyers for the matinee. Uh, you, why did you just make air quotes? What do you mean? The hang flyers? Yeah. Oh, we all know what hanging flyers He does, means. in fact, hang flyers, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Hangs them all day long. Uh, this man's going to be a problem, Elsa announces, as I was thinking it. And I think she's making eye contact with Desiree. Mm. They might go in with each other on killing him. Really? I think Another Desiree official prediction. Anyway, I think Desiree loves her man. Uh, the same way a uh, beaten woman loves their men. You think? You think? Did you see how forcefully he pulled her into his lap? Well, but that he was... killed a man that was having sex with her. Like, I get it. That's shitty. 
Mm-hmm. But he's got a temper, so I'm sure that she's walking on eggshells all the time. Huh. She can't tell him how it is. That's interesting because I always thought I kind of thought just from what I knew that she had the pants in the relationship, and you're just turning on its head just because he pulled him to his lap. I thought that was more of a, a cute couple thing. It didn't seem violent, but I guess with his violent background, maybe yeah, and huh. the temper and all that stuff. It seems cute because he's trained her how to behave around him. Uh, speaking of weird forced behavior, we've got the dandy performing the king and I in front of uh, Twisty the Clown through the magic of puppetry. What is Twisty the Clown thinking? I don't know because his face is inscrutable. And I thought it was interesting because he's like dancing around and he's talking about this and that. And he orders him to be amused and all this stuff. And Twisty doesn't give a fuck. He's just sitting there heavy breathing. Mm-hmm. And Dandy, you're, the Dandy says, your silence is utterly provocative. He commands him to play with his toys. When the clowns, it seems like he's game for that, finally. He's going through the guy's toys, and Dandy sneaks off. Did and, you know there was a head in that bag? I was pretty sure. Okay, because I, I saw sure. that the bottom of the bag was soaked in blood. I, was, I did not notice that. So I assumed it was a head. Um, and I was pretty sure that you know it was definitely a head. Well, obviously, we saw him pull it out. So I never mind. Yeah, I didn't think it was a toy keeper's head, though. I thought maybe it was someone close to him. Oh. That was my first thought. No, I think it's just a, it looked like it was a fresh toy keeper's head. That's for sure, right? So he looks in there and is shocked, and then he's super shocked when Twisty knocks him cold out. Well, it doesn't really knock him out cold. Knocks him painfully knocks to the him, floor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Onto the cold marble. With the black, with the back, uh, smacked the back of his head with a bowling ball pin. No, it was just a poke. It was a poke? Was it, he just poked him hard. Right at the base of the skull, Right in the base, yeah. Right Do you think he intended to kill him? His soft spot. No, or Why else he would have he? killed him. Because I think if he intends to kill someone, he takes a pair of scissors and stabs them but I'm or saying, cuts why their head he, off. Why didn't he kill them? Kill this guy? I mean, the uh, dandy was being a massive asshole. Well, here's the thing. But the other hand, I think he's got a soft spot for children. And dandy's he's, a big child. Exactly. And he wasn't afraid of him. Yeah. Hmm. He's got that little boy. He's got the girl who was a child. He killed the aggressive man that she was with. He killed the shopkeeper and the other guy. I don't know why. Maybe they didn't act enough like children, but they were in the way of his toys. So the attraction is that this is a child that gets me. I am a clown. I entertain children. This child gets me. Why did he then knock him out at all? Because he looked in his things. It's kind of like, you can't have that. It's mine. Mm. He pushed him down and left. Stormed out by kicking the doors open and doing that creepy scream thing he does yeah like the first time i saw it i don't even remember when the first time he did it, it wasn't the scene but i thought it was the victim that was doing that scream mm-hmm. anyway. um moving on to the freak uh, jimmy's putting his whole getting to know us campaign into play by bringing all the freaks to the local diner where they're treated super shitty i mean some dudes just leave uh women complain about them scaring their children uh, they snatch plates out of their hands when they try to eat the leftovers from the people left behind. And uh, it just goes all bad. And just when it's getting really bad at the locals, uh, Dell shows up. He's hanging, he's quote unquote, hanging flyers. And uh, he beats the hell out of Jimmy. And the, pity, the most piteous part is when Pepper's being pulled away. And she was so excited to get meatloaf. Meatloaf! Meatloaf! And when her piteous wails of meatloaf are second only to Meep's piteous wails of being beat to death as far as sad, 
sad freak whales on this show. This is second television scene this week, and I have a really steely stomach. Uh huh. So just make me feel sick. What part? When Meep was, yeah. Oh, okay. That that part. Okay, I thought you were talking about the diner part. Well, that too. The meatloaf was just heartbreaking. That was the second one. <laughs> the fact that she, her favorite food is meatloaf. That's what's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the clown's school bus, creepy ass school bus in the forest, where the blonde and the little boy in the coonskin cap are saying that they're never going to get out. I gotta say, I think this cage doesn't look too strong. I feel like yeah, I, a couple good like, solid kicks and you're out of there. Yeah, like in her trying to break that piece of wood off, I uh-huh. think the set accidentally started to break apart. <laughs> yeah. The chicken wire came up and I was uh-huh. like, I, uh, I would be through that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care if I flay myself in the process. Is it Rajon? What's the guy's name that directed this? His name is... Is it Rajon? Rehon. Rehon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Rehon. God. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a rube. No, She's like, oh, Mr. Rahon, do, do we need to retake this? I kind of tore apart the cell. No, no, keep going. <laughs> keep going. We'll, get the, we'll edit it in post. Yeah, we'll fix that in post. Uh, did not fix that. <laughs> but she does manage to peel off a pretty good-sized chunk of wood with some, with nice... some nice nails yep. for some puncture wound, blunt force trauma, some puncture wound. Uh, and she says, now we have a chance. And just as she's saying that, the clown comes back. Tries to muse them with the robot, and then he tries to muse them with the shopkeeper's head, and they all start screaming, and then a blonde girl swings in action and whops him upside the head with the stick and gets away. They both get away. And tears off his mask. (laughs) This, This mouth scene, man, I was expecting it to be bad. I was expecting... I don't know. Like, I've seen a couple walkers in The Walking Dead where they have their jaw physically removed. Yeah. And it's kind of all... It, it, but it looks like it's kind of red and meaty. Yeah. This was black. Yeah, it was like black and purple. And, and I had to... rotten. Yeah, I had to pause it and stop to look because I thought the few teeth that were in there were actually maggots. Oh. Which was a horrifying idea. Uh, and then his his tongue digitally in there dancing around too it was horrifying. And John Carroll Lynch... Is doing this incredible he's, acting job with his eyes and his breathing. He's killing it. He is literally killing he's it. He's literally. He's killed he's multiple literally people. literally killing this, yeah. Several. The town's <laughs> gripped in fear. Um, and just the way he moves, the way he stands, the, the phys- Yeah, the physicality of his performance, it, it's so far the best thing of the season. Yeah. And he is truly terrifying. Uh, and that fucking mouth, man. Uh, anyway... Elsa and Jimmy. No, you're skipping where the kids run out. And oh, you're ding- right. I went right on to the, my praise of Twisty and I got all twisted up. <laughs> twisted up? Uh, the kid, the, the blonde girl runs into the dandy and he grabs her and carries her back despite her uh, vigorous protestations that he should let her go and that this is a maniac, he's a killer, and says, Mr. Clown, you'll have to work on your confinement if we're going to have any fun. Aaron. Boarded the town, boarded the train to Crazy Town. What? Somebody's got to save them kids. (laughs) Won't someone think of those kids? Those kids need help. (laughs) Um, So uh, Jimmy goes in to see Elsa in a tent, and she tries to defend Dell and says, you know, we need a strong man around here. And he's like, you've got one. I killed a cop, and here's the badge to prove it. And she says, how have I underestimated you? And he goes, it's not just me, and hands her a bill. That uh, these flyers that uh, Dell's been hanging <laughs> have her build last with, with the an geek. Also run with Meep the Geek. 
and she says he has to go. Uh, I'm surprised. I've seen people do this where they get hired on and they have this fake humility and then they go on this, you know, Khmer Rouge type purge campaigns and try and like, oh, you're talking about the movie Showgirls. Something like that. (laughs) But I've never seen someone do it on day one. Like, once he got this woman to sign a contract, he is now running the company. Yeah, she hired him as a barker, right? She never said he could be a security person. Mm. She said he could be a strong man, which I presume was something to act as in the show. Yeah. Did she not read her own contract? I, Man, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know. I guess his thing is he's such a bully, and he's so strong that none of these people can stand against him, literally. And if they went to the police, the police don't give a shit. So he's, like, in this ultimate position of just primal, like, Dark Ages warlord power until some other in greater power day? than him. What, I was going to say, what is he, who's going to stop him? See, this is the kind of bipolar attitude, mm. bipolar temperamental thing that makes me think that Angela Bassett is an abused woman. Mm. Well, that would be sad. Um, so... We go out to the show. I guess it's a matinee show, right? And he's barking up a storm. He's talking about Meep, and Meep proudly bites off a head of a fluffy yellow chicken. Did you see in this shot that Meep and Michael Chiklis are the exact same height? No. Someone on Facebook pointed that. I'm going to give them full credit. I laugh really, really hard. Wait, someone? You're going to give someone the full credit, but you're not going to say who? I will. I just have that in my feedback. I don't want to scroll down. I've I've been getting lost on my notes now. You'll get noticed. Someone, someday. Simmer down. Simmer down At some time. Um, That's a tease. It's called a tease. I'm trying to tease them into the feedback. Hey, I read one of your guys' emails. (laughs) You'll all have to listen to find out which one. He's barking up a storm. Uh, He introduces the spectacular Siamese twins, which I thought was kind of clever. uh, That I think Siamese twins is kind of vaguely racist at this point. It's it's kind of... uh, it's. I don't know why. I don't think so. I think there were Siamese twins, and they're called that because it was first discovered in Siam. Really? That's what I thought it was, yeah. The huh. very first twins were Siamese. But I don't know. I feel like, because now everyone, they want, I, I just know that it's considered gauche to not call them conjoined twins at this point. Okay, kind of like well, it's they're also not all very... from Siam anymore, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like the Hippocratic Oath. But I... I could be totally wrong, but that's what I thought it was. Okay. Um, but I thought it was interesting how they worked in the King and I, who was, of course, the King of Siam as well. It's kind of uh, on-the-nose commentary about what's going on in the, op- uh, in the episode. But anyway, she busts out Criminal by Fiona Apple, which if you were disturbed at David Bowie being slightly ahead of his time, they just warped into the, I believe that thing came out in the late 90s or early 2000s yeah. even. Um, and it's okay. That was fine. That was absolutely fine. Told you, tell you what did not work for me. What the mosh pit in front of the stage? Yeah, I mean, I thought the song was just okay. I thought Matt, who plays pa- Paul, is the seal, uh, living seal or human seal, banging Paul on the, the drums was really seal. cool. And I really liked how they harmonized with each other. Yeah, like Dot was kind of playing, sh- or not Dot, uh, Bet was playing kind of shell shocked, and she started harmonizing, and that sounded really cool. Yeah, but it just. Coming off of last week where the David Bowie moment was just like a showstopper and had so much emotion and so much awesome shit going on and just piles and piles of glitter and explosions and freaks running wave machines and stuff. This was just okay. And then I don't know why, but I thought the mosh pit was totally stupid. It was totally stupid. I get why they made the singing scene a scene, though. It's because it was kind of a cover for 
Elsa and Jimmy's plan. Right. What was Elsa's role in that plan? They make nods at each other, and then Jimmy goes out the tent right next to Dell. Which is the dumbest towards, thing ever. Towards Dell's trailer. Right. So why wasn't Elsa like watching to see if Dell saw him or followed him? I think she thought Jimmy might have had half a brain. She was standing right there. But I felt like that maybe she was the mastermind. She overcome with jealousy. I, I so don't... she was stuck watching the stage. Well, I mean, do you think she's trying to get rid of Jimmy? No. Do you think she's putting them against each other so they'll have a battle of wills and strength? No, and she, can... she wants a strong man to protect her, but also not go against her wishes. Yeah, I just can't figure out she why. Always, it's putting herself ahead first. So this could, this dynamic could flip yeah. if Del starts doing what Elsa wants. Uh, I think Jimmy would be the one who's dead at the end of this episode if Del had actually said or done something to benefit Elsa. Huh. Does that make sense? I just felt like it was remarkably stupid. Uh, it made Jimmy look like a freaking moron to have an interaction with Dell right by the exit in clear line of sight of his trailer and make a beeline to his trailer. Have a little subtlety. Yeah. Like Just there's ways to stage, There's ways to stage that scene to make me not think that Jimmy's a fucking idiot. And they chose not to do that. Maybe Jimmy is a fucking idiot. He does seem to be a little naive about the way th- and, and uh, flighty about the way things work. Or have not a greatest grasp on. Yeah, he is. He's got his head in dreamland. So, anyway. Where freaks are people and he can just walk into a trailer without being noticed. Elsa Mars <laughs> has a significant stare down over Dot and Bet's awesomeness. This thing is going to go badly. So, the police show up sometime after the show, I think. And it's still daytime and they're there for Dale Toledo, the strong man. And they have a search warrant to search the whole premises. But they want to start with his tint and his effects. Which he actually is in an RV. It's not a tent, but whatever. Copper. <laughs> and they started with him because of an anonymous tip. An anonymous tip. Just and the tip. Just the tip. We find out, and that's the tip is all you need. We find out that Jimmy is a fucking idiot, that he staged this evidence in front of Dell's nose, and Dell then took it. I thought it was going to be in Jimmy's yep. uh, tent, but no, he puts it in Meeps. Why do you think Dell did that? Just to show that he. Why do you think that Dell did that? I I think that I think that Dell has fun playing the game, the most dangerous game where you hunt other humans. Yeah. <laughs> um. He's a fun. Jimmy's a fun competitor. He's important to the place. You hmm. can't just get rid of him like that. And Meepa's on bot. He's a businessman. Meepa's on the bottom bill anyway. With Elsa Mar. Well, that was just a shot of her. Exactly. Meepa's so, an also ran. He's an opening act. So get rid of him to send a message to Jimmy and also say, I don't even consider you a threat because I had you by the balls. Yeah. I could have put you away. I chose not to. There you go. That's a power play. Mm-hmm. That is a baller move. A balder move. And poor Meep, as he's being frog marched out of there, it's it's pathetic and it gets it gets worse. Patheticer. Um, and I like how they pan out with the overhead shot, and you can see all the little traffic paths between the trailers. It looks almost like an ant farm. Yeah. It's such a cool, vibrant way to see this kind of dark and dreary universe. And the day, I think Elsa's right about like daytime carnival is a completely different feel from nighttime car- carnival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the cops, as they're taking Meep and throwing him into the tank, are having doubts about him being the mastermind, but they think that a night in the tank will soften him up so he'll name names. Are they an idiot? The only name he can name is Meep. Meep needs a lawyer. Meep needs uh, protective custody. The only way he's getting softened up by the ten- is by the ten meat tenderizers that he's locked up with. Yeah, they. Uh, he huddles into the corner and screams 
pitifully these meat cries like a newborn baby it's like a new you know when a newborn baby is like really hurt or scared and just like these got these screams that pierce your soul that's what meep was cranking out and he get beat mercilessly got beat to death in fact yes. a little bit of a spoiler but i think you guys can handle it uh, elsa creeps by in the middle of the night uh, wakes up bet as she's sleeping next to her sister of course and just pours poison right in there Saying that, you know, she eclipsed you deliberately and you must not allow it. And then she slips her a knife. And I'm like, what the fuck? Can these people read each other's minds or not? Yeah, because Dot at one point even kind of woke up and said, are you talking to yourself? Like she was wakened by it. Yeah. And then she tells her that Elsa is there. But there's some precedent because Dot stabbed her in the middle of the night and it was a surprise. Like what? Like you can either read each other's emotions or you can't. And I feel like that. I'm not a particularly light sleeper, but if I was sleeping literally six inches from where a not-so-loud or not-so-quiet whispered conversation was was happening and I heard my name mentioned several times, it would wake me up. I'd be like, the fuck? Yeah. Go back to sleep, honey. You know, And you can tell from the beginning when we first see the twins and Bette is starting to chew her fingernails nervously Mm -hmm. that she's got tells. And as soon as they wake up the next morning that the jig's going to be up. Elsa Indeed. gave me a knife to kill you with. Yeah. First thing on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, don't think of an elephant. Oh, God. Now I'm thinking of an elephant. Right. Like, you slip of this knife. It's not something that you're just going to be like, oh, I just won't ever think of the knife until I need to use it. That's crazy. I, don't, I, 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 would, I hope they're going to explain this a little bit more because it is kind of a thing for me. If they're going to have these, these two people scheming against each other... Don't open up the pilot with them reading each other's minds. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not, I haven't figured out their twin empathy. Are they two separate people or are they the same person? Just... They share some sort of central nervous system. They, <laughs> they, they, well, no, they don't. They have two separate spines. I, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. They've got spines down to like right behind their heart that's separate. I thought it was all the way down to their hips. No, I mean, you can see. They have a very slight body. It's very well defined when they walk in Elsa's tent in the beginning. Sure, sure. It's just one body. Hmm. But still, I, I know. I, th- I feel like the spine was kind of curved down there sharply. But uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy is drinking with a purpose. And that purpose is to be passed out on the floor when his mom, Ethel, the bearded lady, comes in and says she's disappointed in him, that he always stayed off of that demon stuff. And she finds out that he's been fighting with Dell, and she goes crazy and says, "You got to stay away from Dell. He's bad news." And he says, "Mom, I got to tell him. I got to tell him all because Meep's not tough. He's just weird." And she's like, "Tell who what?" Because she doesn't know that her son is a murderer. And a truck pulls up, and they dump out the body of Meep. Uh, first of all, two observations about this scene: Who dropped off Meep's body? It, I it feel like, like when the police officers. Here's what my head cannon. Okay. Account. When the police officers allow a prisoner to get killed in prison before he can stand trial or what have you, uh-huh. they just discreetly get rid of him. To still to this day, this isn't just a fifties thing. Yes, like they'll get into a beat up old truck. Oh yeah, I have plenty of friends <laughs> that went to prison and dropped at my doorstep, and it's heartbreaking every time. <laughs> Damn you, cops in an unmarked, dilapidated <laughs> truck. That's the real victims in society. Uh, and then secondly, Jimmy. When he screams no at the end, it's exactly like me throwing up. That is exactly like I, he's just having existential argument with his own soul. That's what it sounds like when I'm throwing up. Can so, confirm. Kudos for, for nailing that, Evan Peters. 
that's all we got for the show. Do you have any other thoughts or should we get into some bill paying and feedback? Nope. I think I covered everything. All right. Thank you for all the things you do to support Bald Move. You're Here... welcome. <laughs> Especially you. Here are a few things you can do besides podcasting and compiling feedback for us. Uh, you can get on to patreon.com slash bald move. Exciting news, guys. Uh, we hit the $500 mark. Does that mean forums are open? Forums are are not open. They ding, are ding, on ding, their ding, way. Ding, ding. We are going to start working on it next week. The forums week. are coming. The forums the f- are coming. <laughs> Hang two lanterns in your la- in your lighthouse. <laughs> I, and and it's funny because me and Jim are like, okay, well, as soon as we get back from Walker StalkerCon Monday, uh, we need to start hitting the forums and getting them set up because we'll probably be there in a week or two. We hit it today where pants are down around her ankles. Our forum pants are down around her ankles. We can confirm they're both standing here. <laughs> pants around ankles. Jim's just creepy, heavy breathing and gurgling off off mic. It's, it's really hard. To, that's why I have such a hard time on this podcast. But you can elaborate in the forums. You can elaborate about all that in the forums. It's going to be open for everybody, but the Patreon people put it up on their backs and got us through the promised land. Um, it's going to be really cool. Stay tuned for more information about that. And if you'd like to find out how you can become a patron, go to patreon.com slash bald move. That link is in all the show notes. Um, we do a lot of other cool things. We have lunch with Jim and Aaron each week where we get on the camera. This week we, we carve pumpkins. Yeah, and they're super cool. And we answered fan questions and interact with people in a live fashion. Um, all that stuff on patreon.com slash bald move. There's always subbable. If you want to launch a custom podcast, uh, have me draw something crazy. Uh, get a custom content opportunity, dedicated podcast to a loved one. Go to subbable.com slash baldmove and see how you can support us that way. Also, don't forget amazon.baldmove.com. It's like 71 shopping days till Christmas. 68. All, 68 as of today, the 17th. And they're all shopping days when it's on Amazon. And we still get well over a third of our income right from the Amazon affiliate. So everybody that's helping us out there... Uh, uh, again, thank you for the bottom of the heart. Uh, thank you for everybody rating us, reviewing us on iTunes. Another great way to support us. And uh, I think that's about it. What else are you and Jim doing? What do you mean? Oh, well. we got the Month of the Dead, of course, mm-hmm. uh, where we're celebrating the Walking Dead's return. We're doing live playthroughs of Telltale's Walking Dead Season 2 video game on Mondays. Uh, we got the podcast coming out uh, Tuesdays. Of course, we got the instant podcast. It's live if you're a Patreon member on uh, Sundays. Wednesdays, we're releasing a review of a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Me and Jim, and Jim uh, hoarded up with a couple other Walking Dead podcasters. He cheated on me, the hussy. Uh, Thursday, we've got uh, we, Thursday, we got nothing coming out. Honestly, Thursday we're recording this, so. and, which is a big thing. And then Friday, it's we kind of a big deal. It. Kind of a big deal. So, did you tell them that me, you, and Jim? Are playing Telltale games, Walking Dead? Yeah, you. I did not, but you just did. Cecily joins us. And All helps three out of as us. Well. You're the pilot. I am. You actually are playing the game, and me and Jim are just cracking wise. I drive the ship, and you crack wise too. You're <laughs> Into doing the ground. Duty. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You should join us, even if you don't like Walking Dead. Uh, let's get in the feedback now. If you want to send us feedback, you can send us to AHS. Wait, did you tell them about the book you wrote? No, no, stop it. There's Too much so pimping. There's so many things going on in Bald Too much move. pimping. If you want to find out about the book, you can go to book.baldmove.com. But seriously, <laughs> goddamn, we're going to feedback. Okay. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can go to AHS. That's Alpha Hotel Sierra at baldmove.com. First up, Amy from West River, Maryland. I wonder what it'll be about. Being a lifelong Marylander, <laughs> as soon as I heard Kathy Bates open her mouth, I knew exactly what accent she was doing. She isn't getting it totally right, but it's a super hard accent to do, and the fact that I recognize it means she's pretty close. 
It's not a pretty way of speaking, so I'd imagine most other shows set in Baltimore would dial it way back for the audience. If you watch any of John Waters' stuff, you can definitely hear it to various degrees. Not everyone in Baltimore talks like this. It's very specific to one area and gets watered down the further out you go. She also helpfully attached a local commercial yeah. for a Baltimore company called uh, Old Bay. And I'm going to play it in its entirety because it's only like 60 seconds and it gives you a real authentic uh, Balmer accent. You have to. It's, it's eye-opening. Uh, listen to it right now. Your friends at Old Bay have some questions for you. Do you go down the ocean... Do you prefer eating snowballs over throwing them? Do you use a Sunday paper as a tablecloth? Then you, Mr. and Mrs. Balmer, are a patriot. And Old Bay is honoring patriots like you with a celebration known as the Summer of Patriotism. Because we know you will do anything to preserve and promote your patriotic ideals. You'll teach your children to shout, oh, during the national anthem. You'll take turns to see the real Washington Monument on Charles Street. You'll give your friends a glass of water, ask them to eat yet, reminisce about the coats, and in the unlikely event one of them is hurt when Dr. Hidden Bowling on Blair Road, you'll be the first one to call an ambulance. Like you, Old Bay is proud to call Balmer home. So go to Facebook.com slash Old Bay to become officially certified as a dyed-in-the-wool patriot and let the world know that when it comes to your hometown, you're as genuine as a can of Old Bay. So thank you for sending that in to us, Amy. Uh, we have Sean H. also from Baltimore clarifying. It said it's a Baltimore accent, but only prevalent in certain areas like Hampton, home of the Hanfest, and Dundalk to be specific. I'm pretty sure those are locations in Middle Earth. I believe so. I just saw... Um, like that... Uh, the Dund- Desolation of Smaug can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> that, that happened at uh, Hanfest. And Dundalk was the the southernmost extent of the Gondorian Empire. So, um, nerd. <laughs> you said the wire didn't really focus on these areas, but as a Baltimore native for all my life, I replaced the accent instantly. Love Wait, ca- you didn't tell me the wire was set in Middle Earth. <laughs> now it I was. have to watch it. It was. Mike from New Hampshire says uh, if there's one place I think you fell a little bit short on your podcast. It would be in your complete lack of praise for the masterful work being done by Sarah Paulson. Her ability to employ two completely different, fully realized personalities coupled with the seamless way in which she interacts with each version of herself is nothing short of breathtaking to watch unfold. If she were playing only one of two characters, I'd be commenting on the wonderful childlike naivety she brings to the role of Bet, or the hard-edged, guarded, equally vulnerable, and sympathetic characteristics brought to life in Dot. Luckily for us, we get to watch both of these terrific performances simultaneously, which I think makes it all the more impressive. I can imagine several award nominations and hopefully wins in Mrs. Paulson's future. I, I, if if we lacked in our praise, I think you did her justice there, Mike. She, I, I think she does a great job. And now she's been praised. Now she's been praised. Um, by the way, lots of people sent us email in that bar, uh, Baltimore. I know Marcy and Ron as well. Uh, tons of people on Facebook even, so uh, appreciate all that extra information. Ronald also said, love listening to you review the last season of True Blood. Talk about a horror show. Ceci needs to say something about somebody's kids on Freak Show. Now I got to go because I got kids. Done and done. Yeah, we got to keep working some of that in there. I wish I could get work the authority in there. We'll sneak it in. American Horror Story. Freak Show. There you go. Kathy B.R. Uh, sent me via Facebook an article 
uh, on the HollywoodReporter.com, which I will link in the show notes, entitled Professional Clown Club Attacks American Horror Story Over Murderous Character. Yeah. The clowns are I up in arms. I think the clown club just wants attention. <laughs> so a couple choice quotes here. Hollywood makes money sensationalizing the norm, bemoans Glenn Kohlberger, president of Clowns of America International, the nation's biggest clown cu- club. That's made they up. can take any situation, no matter how good or pure, and turn it into a nightmare. With membership in his organization dwindling, its aging base is made up of 2,500 clowns down from 3,500 in 2004. Kohlberger, whose big shoe alter ego is Clyde D. Scope, Scope also used on a rifle to murder people, <laughs> takes a hardline stance against ca- characters like Twisty. Parse this. Well, takes A clown is taking a hardline stance against Twisty the Clown. Shots fired. We could not support in any way, shape, or form any medium that sensationalizes or adds to cholerophobia or clown fear, Kohlberger says. I think that's this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. You know what's interesting? <laughs> I looked up this. It says the person in a first world country stricken with Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I looked at uh, this whole cl- clown fear up on Wikipedia, and there's a study called uh, the space to S- the space to care, uh, which sounds like a Care Bear mini feature, uh, aimed at improv- uh, improving hospital design for children. Researchers from the University of Shellfield polled 250 children regarding their opinions on clowns. All 250 children in the study, whose ages ranged between 4 and 16, reported that they actively disliked clowns as part of a hospital decor. Many of them, including some older children, stated in the poll that they, in fact, actively feared clowns. Is this an elaborate post-mortem joke about Robin Williams? Because it's too soon for that. No, it's not. Although Patch Adams was an abomination. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Kohlberger, or so should I, think I say scope? I think you've done this to yourself, cold scope. <laughs> uh, John D. said, uh, speaking of Twisty's mouth, remember the episode of Rin and Stimpy when Rin didn't brush his teeth and they all fell out? And he included a picture, too. It's awful. It is. And I do. That is a hilarious and horrifying episode because at the end, he's just left with nerves and they're like playing like plucked violin strings and... I couldn't well, watch that show as a kid. Well, you should watch it as an adult. It's a whole other experience. Anthony B. said, I must be an awful person because I love where this dandy twisty plot is going. Agree, disagree. Of course I agree. No, I don't agree. Somebody's got to save them kids. <laughs> I no, like it too. I, I think it's... I a- like twisty because he's a scary uh, antagonist. Um, I hate dandy. I don't like his character. I don't think there's anything interesting about him. I don't want to see him become... A fully deranged, psychotic murderer clown. I don't care. Oh, I hope well. Twisty kills him immediately. Hmm. Okay. Well, I uh, don't think that's where they're going. And I agree with Anthony. I like where it's going as well. well. It's more interesting than I thought. I thought he was going to end up with a horrible skin rash and become a freak, which is still on the table, I guess. But it seems like they're going more of a murderous, twisty protege. Oh, yeah. She did mention that he gets a skin rash when he mm-hmm. has temper tantrums. Uh, Lino RJ said, posted the image of Meep and, uh, strongman Michael Chiklis on stage and said, they're basically the same height uh-huh. and I'll be damned if they're not. They I'm are. going to include a link to this in my show notes as well. So all the haters can, can see. And I'm not saying he's less of a man for being four foot three. Cause I've seen, I mean, there's, but he's certainly not a full man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a half man. You'd say, um, <laughs> I mean, like one of the toughest men I've ever known in my noon in my life, five foot one. 
nobody fucked with him. He was a tough, mean old son of a bitch. So it's not the size of the fight in the dog. Wait, that is the size of fighting a dog. It's totally the size. It's not the size of the dog in a fight. <laughs> is all I know. He also says, Lino RJ says, Aaron. Aaron, please don't stop calling him the dandy. Exposed. I know. You just said your own name. My alter ego. I'm never going to stop. I can't stop. I will not stop. All right, Miley, calm down. <laughs> Frack and T said, I have no problem with Bowie last week or the Mamas and the Papas this week, which I'm not sure the Mamas and the Papas made it in here. I think they're attributing a Dream a Little Dream of Me to Mamas and Papas, huh. which it could be, I guess. So many people have done that song. Sure. Uh, even though the songs were out of time, they worked in the show, but not so much the Fiona Apple one. The lyrics were appropriate and Sarah Paulson was awesome as usual, but it just doesn't feel like a 50s song anymore. I blame the mosh pit and the fact that the song itself was highly overproduced and sounded more like the studio than Freak Show Tint. Uh, I agree, and I gotta say, our fans, I've never seen more on-point and very polite criticism of a show. Yes. Which is strange because I, I the I feel caliber like of show. It's like when you have a loud mouth parent and you see their children, they're well spoken and polite. That's how I feel like about my fans because I would not articulate because you're point the loud cris- mouth parent. I am. Okay. I'm the loud mouth drunken parent. I would not. I would not expect these people to have such articulate, reasoned, polite, and on point criticisms of the show. I know. It'd be a lot more uh, loud and ignorant and half thought out. But get 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 frack and tea started a bit. Catch. Catch, catch what these people are saying. <laughs> all right, consider catch it caught. their ear, catch their ear sounds that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I read all the emails. <laughs> I'm looking through this feedback. I get it. You people is smart. Shane Bowman says the score in the show is really distracting. It's far too heavy-handed to the point where it undercuts the efficacy and acting and cinematography. Not to mention its incredibly close derivation of the amazing score in Under the Skin. Lionel RJ tags back in that says, it's a little too hokey this season. I get it. They are freaks and they are weird and the show is weird. That said, while watching the first half, I felt more like I was watching a play than a television show. I liked the realer feel of American Horror Story Murder House and also felt like the writing was so much tighter in season one and even Asylum. He, it, does, it gets a little Pee Wee Hermony. Well, here's the thing. Show. Is that in American, well, in the first season, Murder House, I found myself almost distracted by how terribly the story lined up for me. Uh. Like I thought the characters' motivations and the things they were saying to each other and the way they were behaving towards each other was just really far-fetched. And they were trying to be more realistic. Mm -hmm. But this, it's like you know your audience, you know your niche, and you're just sticking to it. And I think that works for me. When you want to be campy fun, then that's what you're doing, and it's working really well. I do feel like they do a fairly main, a fairly good job of maintaining whatever tone they're setting. You know, like like oh, last yeah, year. Last year, the coven was the whole la 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 la, and even when it yeah. didn't fit, even when it could have gone with another choice, they still forced that la la in there. And oh yeah, I kind of respect that. That <laughs> it was good. Well, Murder House will. was kind of the same way. It's like if you had, oh god, how do I put this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was talking Lala's. Where are you coming from? It's like you have a really good director, but a really bad writer working together, and they're just butting heads. Because you've got something really interesting and like visually impressive happening, uh-huh. and then a murderer shows up out of nowhere and takes your family hostage, and the next day everything's cool? Mm. I didn't understand that. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in Coven. Coven. 
where you cheated on your wife and before you guys healed from it, you decided to move to another state to move on. Mm-hmm. This just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was so out there for me. It's almost like the continuity gets in their way sometimes. Exactly. Like, Damn it, you know what? We did a couple episodes. Forget that because we got something cooler. And yeah. I guess as long as it is cooler, I'm fine with rolling with that punch. Yeah. I can go for a split shot of uh, Lobster Boy doing giving out the shockers at Tupperware parties uh-huh. that I can, whatever story you're trying to sell me in Murder House. <laughs> Uh, he also asked the tantalizing question, how long before Mommy Dandy gets killed? Um, I did think that myself. I don't know. She hasn't fulfilled her purpose yet. I give her at least till mid-season. Yeah. Um, I got some thoughts on that, but I'm going to also let a, a listener chime in. Mer, uh, Manira, P, Manira P said, I don't think the mom will die. I mean, there's a reason why she's still here and we haven't seen anything about the dad. Ooh. Also, I get a crazy vibe from her, too. What she... if they pull an old yeller and she has to kill Dandy? Boom. Mm, interesting. Third official prediction of the evening. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, what you guys are saying, too, because, as I said, they've got an interesting dynamic between those two, and it hasn't gotten... It hasn't hit the bottom of the creepy well. hasn't yeah. scraped the bottom of the creepy barrel. Yeah, it needs to be like Jillian and Jimmy Dormady. Uh, she continues, I love the Dandy-Twisty combo. I think Dandy is actually crazier than Twisty. I think Twisty just wants an audience, while I think Dandy is the real psycho. He wants a spotlight, but he doesn't really know how to go about it. Interesting take, that maybe Twisty was just an alright clown until he was so maimed that children never lo- well, could never love him again. I th- Yeah, I think he just wants a friend more than he wants an audience. I don't think Twisty wants an audience. I think he just wants... What are you going to do when he when he inevitably removes that scalp he's wearing and it's just a pulsating brain? Okay, imagine the horror. No, you've seen the horror under his face mask. Uh-huh. Imagine the horror under his head cap. Yeah. You think like half the brain's missing? There's something. See, I wonder if he like tried to shoot himself, like kill himself by a shotgun, and he miraculously missed Ooh. every vital part of his brain. Blew but off it... his jaw and the back of his head, but yeah. his frontal you know lobe is still it's intact. Still fat functioning. Huh. That would be, I mean, that that's scientifically impossible. Um, you know why he, he drinks me out so much? Be, I would go along with that if it turns out his skulls is blasted back He reminds of. me of the character Pierre Le Fou from Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the big, weird-ass, fat, robotic clown? Yeah, who's been totally deranged and warped, uh-huh. and all he knows how to do is murder. And right. that's why he creeps me out so much. Not yeah. so much the clown aspect. And he's got the same forced kind of manic smile. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Hot take. Nathan P. said the real reason Ethel's been given the status of freak and not because of her beard is simply due her to her freakish accent that she uses when speaking. <laughs> Sirius' episode seemed even worse in terms of her speech, turning the character drama into a hilarity. The real reason Ethel is in the situation isn't because she doesn't shave her beard, but actually because no normal person can understand her speech and thus she was outcast from society as a freak. Do you like Shots to go down fired, the Baltimore. ocean? Down the ocean? <laughs> Talk about when we had the coats playing? <laughs> Which I have to lay low about because we gotta stall your team. Uh, <laughs> I don't even understand that sports reference, but I'm laughing anyway. Uh, um, whoever came up with the idea that clowns are meant to be funny and comical is quite simply wrong. Nathan continues. Think about what Shots a clown fired is. Shots fired at kaleidoscope. <laughs> it's kaleidoscope. You're an asshole, Clyde. Don't make a fucking pun like that. Oh my, I want to go back. You just got that? Yes, I did. You're a mess of a person. (laughs) I am. I am. But yes, Clyde (laughs) E-Scope. What an asshole. I want to go back. I want to go back and make fun of him some more. 
I'm gonna find a quote, an embarrassing quote from him. Using no, that's that's too stocky. <laughs> but it'd be funny to find an embarrassing quote for, if or from him in the press because I'm sure it's loaded with him. Imagine what he would say Are about they, Pennywise. D- does Clyde Scope get? Interviewed often. Clyde Scope has ruled the American Clown Association <laughs> with an iron, as, as with an iron, with with a with floppy shoe, <laughs> <laughs> and he has done so for generations. No, I mean, can you imagine the shit he lost over Pennywise from It when the novel came out, and then when Tim Roth played him? It's like I, was it Tim Roth? Be. I'm pretty sure it's Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Eli Roth, right? <laughs> He played it as the bear Jew. <laughs> one of them one of them boys. Yeah. Um but anyway, continuing. Kaleidoscope totally derailed me. Also, whoever came up with the idea that clowns are meant to be funny and comical is quite simply wrong. Think about what a clown is. A grown adult dressing in bright colors, donning a cake load of white paint just to escape any prosecution charges, and a sinister and permanent smile by viciously gesturing and sharply moving in ways to surprise the children in front of them. How did anyone think this was anything but creepy? You know, I heard uh, there was something on the American Horror Show, show th- thread on the, uh, Reddit <laughs> okay. where someone was asserting that clowns came from a society in the Middle Ages, that they were white face paint and they would scare people in the street to remind people of their own mortality. It was like a memento oh, mori thing. like the plague. Oh, yeah. And they were supposed to be all ghostly reminders of dead people. did not. A- but it turns out that's bunk. I couldn't okay. find anything. I was to gonna say I'm gonna need some citation on that. But it's a cool idea, and I was all set to research it and present it on the show. And I, I know you told hour. me about it earlier. I know, and I spent an hour trying to look up stuff, and it's like, oh damn it, that angle's gone. But I still kind of used it. Is that cheating? No, it's, it'd be a shame to waste all the time. <laughs> uh, it's like a two-hour podcast, an American Horror Story. We're still going. Uh, Just like the American Horror Story show. It's going to be slightly <laughs> too long for your comfort. Yeah, it's going to be uneven spots. You might wince and say, ooh, wish they made a better choice in that area. But we're still <laughs> one. Uh, if you'd like to give us more feedback, you can do so at ahs at ballmove.com or join our live Facebook watching thread on Wednesday night on facebook.com slash ballmove. You've been a wonderful audience. Thanks for putting up with us. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Good night. Deuces. Thank <laughs> you.